Welcome back to the Sports Medicine Orthopod. My name is Anthony Yu, and I'm joined once again by my good buddy, Dr. Drew Burleson, sports medicine specialist from Beacon Ortho in Cincinnati, Ohio. Drew, the day after the Super Bowl, what's the mood in Cincinnati? Uh, I mean, I think that people are also really excited. Um, it was an exciting season. I think they exceeded a lot of expectations. I mean, people are very confident in Joe Burrow right now, but I mean, it's just been a, a great city to be in over the course of the last month or so. I mean, I, you know, we were, you and I were both in Chicago. Um, are we in Chicago in the Cubs with the World Series? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It, you, you know what it's like. I mean, when you're in a city like that's, that's going to a championship, I mean, it's just, there's, it's, it's hard to beat it. So, I mean, it's just been a really exciting year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was lucky. I was in uh, Philly for when the Phillies won the World Series too. And uh, yeah, you know, riding down Broad Street. That's great. And then Chicago after that. So uh, yeah, exciting year for the Bengals. I, yeah, I, I agree. They exceeded expectations and game could have gone either way. You know, some of those late calls, maybe questionable, who knows, depends who you ask. They went the Bengals way. It could be a different story, but um, yeah, happy for the city of Cincinnati. Um, and this is our first show in quite some time, actually. We've been on a bit of a hi hiatus uh, with the holidays and whatnot. And also, uh, truth be told, I actually lost my voice for quite a long time in January. I had full-blown laryngitis, which, uh, you know, if anybody who is an adult has kids, had laryngitis, you become a useless parent. We actually, the weekend it hit me, we were potty training my youngest daughter. And uh, much to the chagrin of my wife, I'll just put it that way. <laughs> There's not much parenting we can do when you can't speak at all. So I'm still nursing my voice back to health, um, but but here I am and, and I had to get you on here to talk about, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. with the high likelihood. We don't know for sure. It's, you know, 320 Pacific on Monday, the day after the Super Bowl. And I don't think it's been made official to my knowledge yet, but the initial reporting is strongly suggesting that he did re-tear his ACL in his left knee, I believe, which is the knee he had his ACL torn in, in 2020, which I think we actually did a show about that uh, back in the day before we had the YouTube channel. And so you and I were both watching the game. You texted me when this happened. That's what was going through your mind, right? When you saw this play. Right. Yeah. I mean, but first of all, I mean, I think your wife could, should call my wife so they can simply, <laughs> uh, like their husbands being worthless fathers. Cause I mean, I just had speaking ortho. Explain uh, yourself. Yeah. Explain yourself. <laughs> I, on my left arm was just snapping just very painfully anytime I tried to do anything. So one of my partners, Dr. Foad, um, who's notorious for doing surgery on his own thumb, um, actually, he operated on my elbow. He uh, did an ulnar nerve transposition, but I'm feeling fine. Back to work already. Um, but anyway, yeah, OBJ, I mean, yeah, it just – unfortunately, that's what it looked like. It looked like that he had, you know, that classic non-contact pivoting injury. Yep. And the slow motion replay, you could almost see his um, tibia – pivot around his uh, femur bone. Um, and again, it's just stinks, you know, I mean, it's just, it's the the same knee he had operated on about a year ago. Um, but I guess we'll, we'll wait and see exactly what happened. But that's, that was my first uh, initial reaction was uh, ACL. Yeah. And I mean, we're not sports analysts. We like sports. So we think we are, but that, that almost was the difference of the game, right? You know, uh, he was really dominating and Rams ended up pulling it off, but I think, you know, if the Bengals had won that game, we'd probably be looking at that injury as, uh, you know, it's obviously a significant part of the game and the Rams won, but if they had lost, I think people would have pointed to that and say that was the difference. And so, you know, one thing I wanted to bring you on to talk about is you and I are both sports medicine surgeons. We both do an ACL surgery, you know, every week of our lives. Uh, we know this injury well, but I think there's a misconception out in the public that you tear your ACL, you go to the doctor, you see somebody like yourself, 
you get it fixed and then you're just good. Um, you know, there, there's kind of this uh, thought in orthopedics that you break something and then you come back that much stronger, right? Like your body makes you stronger, but that's not really the case for the ACL, right? The, the risk of actually re-tearing it again is pretty substantial, higher than I think most people would imagine. Yeah, I mean, I think there's there a couple of misconceptions about ACL injuries in general. I mean, the first one is just, you know, that you tear your ACL, you're absolutely going to come back and play the very next season with no difficulty. I mean, because you see professional athletes, that's usually the case with them. But I mean, in general, I mean, all comers, it's usually about 20% of people actually don't ever come back to play for various reasons. You know, either they're yep. free, they don't want to go back. There's such a psychological component. They don't want to do the rehab. I mean, again, it's just 20%. So, I mean, two out of every 10 people, they say, I'm not done. I'm not playing. Yeah. Uh, and But then all the people who do have their ACLs reconstructed, there is a pretty high rate of the same knee re-rupturing that graft. And that, that can be about 10 to 15% as well. Um, you think, I mean, because honestly, you think about it, all the ACL injuries you see, like especially in professional sports, I mean, like one out of every 10 of those, the chances are they're going to have another injury yeah. to that same uh, same knee. Then you also have the other knee where, again, you have another 10 to 15% chance of tearing the ACL on the other knee. So, like you said, I mean, like, you know, there's that, the old adage, you know, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I mean, I don't think that's the case at all with a, an ACL injury, though. Yeah, I think after that first ACL tear, the knee is compromised and n never quite as, as good statistically as it once was. And you mentioned the other knee, what we call in our business, the contralateral knee. And you and I both were thinking that for Joe Burrow. We even texted, like, how crazy would this be if both of these guys who tore their ACLs in 2020 or whatnot – ended up tearing an ACL right. again. But again, Joe Burrow was obstinate. We, we don't know what ended up happening with him. There's no reporting. Uh, I think it's in the news that he's going to get evaluated further, which, you know, only well, makes sense. Um, but, you know, that was definitely, you know, concern of ours. And he finished the game, so it would be unlikely towards ACL. Certainly something else could be in there. Maybe he had a meniscus tear or something like that. But, yeah, that's a real concern as well, is that that, that other knee is going to um, – uh, maybe put in jeopardy, even though that's not the one that had the ACL tear. So, you know, we don't really know why this is, but kind of tell us from our side as orthopedic surgeons, wh why do we think this happens? Like, why why do people re-tear their ACLs? Why is the other knee maybe at risk? I mean, I would say in general, there's a reason why you're, you're susceptible to having that ACL injury in the first place, okay? Like, if you were to think about the classic female athlete who has an ACL injury, one of the things is usually there's some type of neuromuscular imbalance that causes the knee to have this, we call it a dynamic valgus. So I, honestly, if you like look, um, if you were to really focus on and do like a lot of like a analysis of females when they jump and when they land, a lot of their knees, they, they have a, almost a like a, a knock need appearance. And they, we call that a dynamic valgus. So again, like we're talking about this, uh, susceptibility to having this injury in the first place. I think that's probably the biggest reason why these happen is that you're, you're already susceptible to having the injury and you, and in order to basically overcome all of that neuromuscular imbalance, I mean, it, it requires an extensive amount of training. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons why this rate of re-rupture of the graft is high and the rate of the uh, of rupture of the contralateral side is high as well. Um, they also talk about certain things like, improper graft placement or improper graft choice. Um, I mean, again, like it's someone like Odell Beckham Jr. That's not the case at all. Um, again, he had Dr. James Andrews did this, who's done countless athletes. So, I mean, I'm without seeing the imaging, I'm sure that the graft is put in the absolute most perfect position. 
Um, and again, he probably had uh, bone protection to bone, which is probably the gold standard for professional athletes. Yep. Um, and he's also, I mean, he, he doesn't have this neuromuscular balance either, but I mean, he just, he's a, he plays a high risk sport. You know, he's a, a contact athlete, you know, moving at extremely high speed. So whenever he, again, he tries to cut and pivot, he's at a higher risk of having some type of pivot shift injury. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I totally agree. In this case, it's the activity level, right? He's plays a high risk sport. That's how he tore his ACL in the first place. He went back to that same high risk sport. And so those risk factors stepping on that football field still exist to tear your ACL again. You mentioned those technical factors and, you know, we won't get into the nitty gritty, but um, there, there's some nuance to the ACL surgery, some different ways to do it. Uh, some decision-making, both on the patient and the surgeon side. You mentioned graft choice. And so, yeah, the ACL surgery can be uh, done in a way that by modern techniques, we'd say maybe the technique is poor or not satisfactory. Um, graft choice is a big hotbed topic in orthopedics. Maybe the graft choice was improper for that particular person. But you're right. Like in this case, NFL player, it's not going to be any of those. It's going to be the high risk sport. You know, getting back to what I was mentioning about the other knee, that contralateral knee, and some of this applies also to what we call the ips lateral, the actual injured knee. Um, we think that some of this risk to tear again on either knee has to do with the rehab process. And maybe in the past, you know, 10 to 20 years, putting athletes back out on the field a little bit too soon before their bodies are really ready to handle 100%, you know, um, uh, full-blown sports without hesitation. And if your muscles, especially in your core and lower extremities, aren't quite ready um, to, to sustain that kind of load, then we think that, that that could be a risk factor as well. And that's why there's a huge focus right now on really trying to be patient with the rehab and make sure the patient is as good as they can possibly be before getting back on the field to minimize that risk. Because the last thing you want to do is the situation is, you know, bittersweet for Odell Beckham. He won the Super Bowl. He was a big part of it. But now he's looking at another nine-plus-month recovery after another major knee surgery. Um, and so – Let's talk about what we call revision ACL surgery. That's redo ACL surgery. Somebody's torn their ACL. They've done it again. Now you have to go do a revision where you're redoing the ACL surgery. Is that a simple process? Is that a complex process? What do you say? Very complex. I mean, there are numerous variables um, that you have to take into account whenever you do a revision surgery. You know what I mean? Like, is the, boy, this, this is a whole topic in itself. I mean, like, again, like, yeah. I don't how much detail you'd want to get into, but I mean, you have to look at the overall alignment, you know, in the AP plane. So when you're looking right at it, you know, are they more knocked Are they more bow-legged? Looking at it from the sagittal plane, is there some type of slope issue? Is the, the tunnels themselves, so when you do an ACL surgery, you actually drill tunnels in the bone. Are the tunnels in the right place? Are they in the wrong place? Are they just off a little bit? I mean, do you need to do some type of bone grafting? Are the tunnels too wide now? Graft choice? you already use whatever you think is the best graft for them. So then what do you do? Do you go for a, another type of graft on the same knee? Do you go for a graft on the other knee? Again, like it's a very complex topic. Um, but yeah, I mean, and again, like it's just, it, it, there's a lot of variables that, that go into it the, the, se the second time. Cause again, you also want to think, you know, is there something that could have been done differently the first time that you do that you 
that caused him to have this re-rupture that right. yep. addressed it this time. You know, like I was yep. talking about, like the, the alignment. Like if you had a little bit of malalignment, like on the APX ray, like if they're a little bit knock near, a little bit bow-legged, on the primary surgery, you may think, you know what, this is probably just their normal anatomy. We're not going to do anything, um, change the alignment with them. But again, if, if they've re-ruptured that again, I mean, do you do some type of uh, alignment correction with this? I mean, again, there's a lot of things that go into revision surgeries that just make it a lot more complex than just the uh, initial primary surgery. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reminded of a patient I had years ago. He was a professional skateboarder. And he had torn his ACL like three or four times uh, before I came along. And then I fixed him and he never had ACL problems again. No, uh, I don't know that. But um, I remember him kind of having this discussion with him and saying, you know, this is a complex process. And in fact, sometimes we can't safely do the ACL revision in one surgery. Sometimes you have to what we call stage it, do it over the course of two surgeries. One where you just kind of undo everything you did in the prior surgery, uh, get the knee kind of in a good direction so that in a second surgery you can then do the acl surgery uh, uh safely and this is you know too complex for uh, the, the the show we don't need to go into that but just you know sometimes you have to do that revision surgery in, in two steps and so having this discussion with him he's like no 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 like we just go in we get the acl done and that's it like like you go into a car wash and you come yeah. up the other side uh, uh 30 seconds later and it's just like done and it's it's not like that a lot of thought goes into it and so um uh, yeah, it's 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 a complex and challenging process. Um, uh, we, we like taking on those problems. That's kind of you know part part of the fun of what what we do. It really got to put your thinking cap on and think how am I going to optimize this patient's need the best so that this never happens again. And so those are the things that will uh, go through the medical staff's minds as again we're assuming that Odell has has retorn that graft. Um, do you enjoy revision surgery, Drew? It's it's something that some people don't like. Some people, uh, you know, the kind of puzzles and some people really thrive in those types of situations. What, yeah, what no, yeah, I like, you know, I like it. I mean, like the preoperative planning, you know, like you were talking about, like, you know, looking at all the subtle nuances and, and measuring angles and thinking, you know, okay, can this be optimized? Can this be changed just a little bit? I mean, I, I mean, I like primary ACLs just because, I mean, like they're, you know, they're pretty easy surgery and they go pretty yeah. well. Patients usually do pretty well. But it's I mean, the car wash. It's car wash. Exactly. ACL's done. <laughs> but, it, but again, but the revisions as well, I mean, like those can be very satisfying as well because, you know, you, again, you just, they can have these very complex problems that, again, you can really provide a lot of benefits to these patients. So if, if you really just take your time and think about things the right way. Right. And, you know, on the back end, uh, this doesn't mean Odell won't recover similarly to how he did after his first ACL tear. And, he still has a lot of promise for getting back on the field and being effective again. Um, but this does put him on the shelf for, you know, nine months minimum, but probably even a little bit longer. And I think for, for sports fans of all sports, you can understand why these players are held out so long because you want to just do everything you can to maximize their ability to play to the best of their ability and minimize that risk that this happens again, because it really is devastating. I mean, now, you know, we were talking about Clay Thompson a lot. He missed two consecutive years, but now Odell Beckham, he's going to miss, you know, two years in his career. Um, and that, that's just too bad. Yeah. I mean, it, it really is this crazy because, you know, Odell started on the Browns at the beginning of the season and Odell and Joe Burrow were two players that I would talk to my patients about all the time about regards yeah. to how Joe Burrow came back 
at about nine months and OBJ was more like around like, like 10 to 11 months. And it's just, again, like the recovery is different for everybody. I mean, yeah. and again, to high level athletes who probably have, they have the best uh, rehab, best training staffs that there are on the planet. And even their uh, return to play was very timeline was variable. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Drew. Well, it's great to see you again. Um, I'm going to go rest my voice, but uh, tell us. So for the podcast listeners, Drew is in this very large black sling. Um, how long do you wear that sling for? Um, I, you know, I mean, it's it just, it gets, it's kind of for comfort right now. Okay, I mean, okay. it's swollen. Uh, I just had surgery last Thursday. Um, I did something that probably wasn't that intelligent. I went back to work very <laughs> But you know that they say the doctors make the absolute worst patients. Um, Absolutely. So I compounded that by going to work again the next day on Saturday. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, you know, it it honestly is one of those things that gives you a lot of perspective, though. You know, like having surgery, like being a surgeon and then like being on the other side. Yeah. Honestly, because you have like, again, like whenever patients are sitting there, you know, there's these thoughts running through their minds like, I'm sure you're the same way as a surgeon. There's not one that I'm not like whenever, whenever I'm doing surgery myself, I'm not worried about anything to be honest with you. I mean, like, especially like anesthesia wise and all that kind of stuff. But whenever you're the one who's like on the other side, think about this stuff, like, Oh, you know, perspective being the patient and where they're coming from in regards to a lot of their concerns and anxiety. So hopefully this helps me to be a better doctor. Absolutely. Yeah, you're that guy who's telling the nurse not to put the IV in this vein, but to put it in this other one. <laughs> and I know the truth of it is that you're just wearing that sling around the house to get out of doing chores. <laughs> Don't. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to make sure my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> exactly right. You're probably shooting around at lunch today. Well, no. To be honest with you, I didn't have my sling on earlier, and my five year old daughter she laid into me, telling me that I need to have it on. So she's keeping me in line. That's the future of healthcare right there. All right, buddy. Thanks so much for talking to you. Uh, Audience, thanks for being patient with us. Welcome back to the show, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Hey, folks. Thanks for tuning in. If you like the show, please subscribe, like, and share. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have a question about today's show, or you, a loved one, or maybe your favorite athlete has sustained a sports medicine injury that you would like to know more about, please reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or email. And stay tuned for more exciting content from the Sports Medicine Orthopod. Thanks again.